What if you could travel to parallel worlds? The same year, the same Earth, only different dimensions. A world where the Russians rule America? Where your dreams of being a superstar came true? Or where San Francisco was a maximum security prison? Quinn Mallory and his friends, they found the gateway, and now they travel, hoping that each time their next leap will be the leap home. Wait, that's not right. This is Sliders. Hello everyone and welcome back to 1995. You know that old phrase, best laid plans of mice and men, yada yada, I see the rabbits, George. Well, as you can probably tell, this is not our part two of Babylon 5. Uh, in fact, I'm postponing that one just slightly longer, because as I've been writing it, uh, there's a lot more to talk about. And... Let's just say it keeps getting longer, so it might be a bit more of a lengthy episode. So in the meantime, I'm going to provide you guys with an episode on Sliders, uh, a very interesting franchise that some of you may be familiar with. So, as normal, I am your host, Drew, and this is the show where we take a look at the odd and obscure and objectively ahead-of-their-time science fiction shows. In each episode, we take a look at the premise, the production, the pilot, and the patrimony. And this week, we will slide into a franchise that has gone under the radar for many. A show that would actually be a logical addition to any modern programming block, due to the boom in multiverse properties. We're going to slide into many San Francisco's with sliders. Sliders was an American science fiction and fantasy television series created by Robert K. Weiss, producer of countless amazing productions including the Naked Gun trilogy, Weird Science, and the good SNL movies like Blues Brothers. Tracy Torme of Star Trek TNG fame and John Landis from Blues Brothers, Spies Like Us, Clue, Beverly Hills Cop 3. And it was broadcast for five seasons between 1995 and 2000. In the series follows a group of travelers as they use an Einstein-Rosen bridge, aka a wormhole, to slide between different parallel universes. The first two seasons were filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, also known as Television San Francisco, while the remaining seasons were shot in Los Angeles. It aired on the Fox network for three seasons before being cancelled. Luckily, it was saved from oblivion by the Sci-Fi Channel, not Sci-Fi. The final episode was shown in the United Kingdom in December of 1999, and on the Sci-Fi Channel in February of 2000. And now let's take a look at the plot. 
While researching anti-gravity, grad student Quinn Mallory, played by Jerry O'Connell, accidentally opens an interdimensional portal. At first not realizing he'd ended up in a parallel Earth, Mallory finds himself befuddled by traffic signals. Here, green means stop and red means go. After returning to his lab, Mallory finds himself? As it turns out, he meets the Quinn Mallory of this Earth. The two exchange barbs, and his counterpart explains how his device ended up creating an Einstein-Rosen bridge, a formerly theoretical construct that would allow one to travel great distances in a short span of time. In reality, these wormholes instead open travel between dimensions, leading to alternate Earths, each one at the same time and date, but with completely different histories, societies, etc. After being sent home, our Quinn explains his discovery to his friend and demonstrates to his professor his creation. Unfortunately, things go awry, and the trio, plus one unwitting stowaway, find themselves in a post-apocalyptic San Francisco. The trio attempts to combat hypothermia and an incoming tornado as they wait for the timer on the return device to activate. Herein lies the problem. Before leaving, Alt Quinn had explained that to return home to one's proper Earth, you must wait for the timer on the device. Unfortunately, the countdown for this portal was far too long, and with the tornado bearing down on them, Quinn activated the portal early. With this, the quartet finds themselves transported to a much more agreeable climate. Still in San Francisco, that is until they realize that Russians have conquered this particular Earth. Thus, the main characters, Quinn Mallory, Jerry O'Connell, whom I've met, Wade Wells, Sabrina Lloyd, Rembrandt Crying Man Brown, Cleavon Derricks, and my axe, <clears throat> I mean Sala, I mean Arturo, as portrayed by John Rice Davies, find themselves stuck on a never-ending roller coaster, hopping from one Earth to the next. Sometimes, the differences are quite small, like opposite colors, Another where the summer of love never ended, and one where women have beards and mustaches. And then literally that same world, but without the facial hair, and instead all the police, they wear kilts. Heck, there's even a world that was conquered by the British, and we never advanced past 16th century technology. Yet the Oakland Raiders still exist, only as actual Raiders. By definition, the show literally has limitless possibilities for plots. There are a few aspects that remain the same, though, for the most part. The series is set in San Francisco in its many iterations, yet there are a few constants. Most notable would be the Lamplighter Inn, a place that serves as the de facto home for the group. Also recurring are individuals that play alternate versions of themselves in alternate Earths. Angus Rickman, first portrayed by Roger Daltrey for two episodes, and then by Neil Dickinson for four episodes, a colonel and Maggie, superior officer. Elston Diggs, portrayed by Lester Barry, a bartender. Oberon Geiger, played by Lana Malari, Peter Jurassic, Diana's boss. Mrs. Mallory, portrayed by Linda Hennig, Quinn's adoptive mother on Earth Prime. Michael Mallory, portrayed by John Walcott, Quinn's father, whose Earth Prime version died when Quinn was young. Gomez Calhoun, played by Will Sasso, of Mad TV fame. Pavel Kurilenko, portrayed by Alex Berhansky, a taxi driver. Over the course of the show, cast members departed, 
or were replaced by others. Captain Mackie Beckett, Carrie Wurr, a military officer from one doomed alternate Earth, Colin Mallory, Charlie O'Connell, Quinn's lost brother, a second Quinn Mallory, played by Robert Floyd, that resulted from the original Quinn inadvertently merging with a Quinn from a world they slid into, and Dr. Diana Davis, Tembi Locke, also known as Grace Monroe from Eureka, a scientist who attempts to help them reverse the process. There were a few overarching storylines woven in with some recurring villains. On one slide, they encounter the Cro-Mags, an alien species that have perfected sliding and use it to strip resources from an alternate Earth. The Cro-Mags become aggressively curious about Quinn's technology, and by the third season, the group finds themselves in a world where humanity is attempting to slide into a safe dimension. They run into a villain named Rickman, who is a destination for Earth Prime. They lose Arturo and pursue Rickman in hopes of getting back. They successfully find the coordinates, but what they find dashes their hopes. They continue to jump worlds in a hope of finding a solution to the problem on Earth Prime, which then leads to the loss of Prime Mallory and the creation of simply Mallory, the amalgam of Quinn and his counterpart. Eventually, a means of saving Earth Prime is found, and one final slide proves to be the last hope for Earth Prime. That may have been a little bit spoilers-heavy, but for a series that hinges on the fact that they can't get back home, they have to continually invent new methods of keeping the cast from getting there. In the end, Rembrandt is the only one of the characters to be present from the first episode to the last. The production history of this series was quite turbulent, with many changes in staff over the course of the show. Jerry O'Connell thought the first two seasons went smoothly, and John Rhys Davies thought it could be the best show in television history. Unfortunately, for the third season, several things became quite apparent. The writers were shifting to more action versus intellectually stimulating plots. According to Davies, they began pulling plots and stories from other properties, including an episode based on the island of Dr. Moreau, using original props. For him, the last straw was walking in on a meeting, and apparently seeing the writers watch a DVD of Species and choosing shots to use in a rip-off episode. Additionally, one episode copied the invisible bridge of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, a film that Davies was in. And the writer had no clue about the meaning behind the scene when Davies asked him about it. After the third season, the show moved to sci-fi, still with O'Connell and Derricks, but not their co-stars. O'Connell's brother joined, but by the end of the fourth season, both O'Connells left to pursue film careers. To solve the problem of their lead leaving, they contrived an idea where Mallory would become unstuck and merge with an alternate Mallory, that looked nothing like Mallory Prime. Thus, Robert Floyd took over as Quinn, mixing part of the original character, but in a wholly new package, effectively pulling off a sort of Doctor Who regeneration situation. The series co-creator, Tracy Torme, has often been critical about the direction that the series took in the third season. Torme called the third season two-parter, Exodus, one of the worst pieces of television ever produced, and the low point of the entire series. 
David Peckinpah was brought into the series in the third season, around the time when Torme started to criticize the show. The last episode to be written by Torme was The Guardian, and the first to be written by Peckinpah was Murder Must Foul. Some argue Peckinpah's involvement with the series, by extension, Fox's more hands-on involvement, caused the show to jump the shark. Despite new executive producer Mark Scott Zickrey's decision to restore Tracy Torme's original alternate history premise for the series in season four, Torme, along with other co-creator Robert K. Weiss and John Landis, all departed the show during the third season. Sliders is awesome. If you can get past the fact that they're not going to make it home, the ride is very much worth it. Season one, like many science fiction shows, aside from Sequest, has a fair share of low to mid episodes. Personally, the Contagion one was meh, but British America was pretty rad. Season two has some interesting setups as well, including the introduction of the Cro-Max, closest thing to a series overarching villain. A sticking point I have is the whack decision that Fox made for reordering episodes. Unfortunately, the order is still the case on streaming sites, so proper viewing order requires you to do a little homework. Cliffhangers get resolved out of order, and characters reference future events, and Arturo leaves in one episode, only to be in an episode aired later, which necessitated the filming of a framing device to make it a flashback. That's the kind of ridiculous shenanigans that channels would have to engage in to get higher ratings. I've seen a handful of latter episodes, and they aren't terrible by any means. Dr. Oberon, Jurassic, is excellent, barely managing not to slip into his Londo Malari accent. And Rembrandt truly continues to be the heart of the show as the everyman, all the way to the end. Overall, the show is awesome and one heck of a ride, and it would absolutely be a prime candidate for a reboot. Whether some sort of continuation or a more properly complete remake could serve to be a major hit, especially with the current media fixation on alternate worlds. New technologies and ideas could influence the kind of places you could go. And as I wrote, I found out that Tracy Torme said a reboot is actually in the works, at least as of two years ago. My fingers are still crossed, because I'd love to go for another slide. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. And as I said before, really aiming <laughs> to get that Babylon 5 episode ready. But when you're covering a longer form series and one that is as detailed as Babylon 5, it's kind of hard not to mention all the details. And I have to rein myself in at some points. But I hope to get that out to you guys very soon. If not, hmm, well, I guess I'll have to look off into the distance, into the Fox Cave. Until next time.